I'm Carrington Vanston. And this is No Quarter, the podcast where we talk about classic arcade games. Yes, all three of those things. Classics and arcades and games. Yay for us. <laughs> Ray, huzzah. <laughs> How you doing, Mike? I'm doing well, Carrington. And you? I am kicking butt and taking names. I hear you didn't kick butt quite so well this week, uh, but we'll get to that in just a minute. Do you have any feedback for us? I've got a little bit of feedback. I've got a tiny bit. Let's see. You know what? The the, the one I want to mention is a fellow named uh, Albert Dixon. I keep saying Dickinson. In fact, I think when I wrote him back, I spelled his name wrong. But sorry about that, Albert. Albert Dixon. Uh, as you know, in previous episodes, I have complained... Oh, Oh, how I have whined and complained about the lack of arcades here in Toronto. They just, they, they don't exist. You can't find arcades anywhere. So he pointed me to a, a really good website that partially just confirms that, yes, there are no arcades in Toronto, but lets me find an arcade elsewhere when I need a fix. It's a really cool site called, I guess it's pronounced Orcade, A-U-R-C-A-D-E dot com. And on that, is basically a database of arcades around North America. So you can search by city or search by game and like find our, and, and like pick an arcade and say, ah, this arcade in this city has the following hours, the following games are there, like notes, all that kind of stuff. It's basically IMDB for arcades. It's awesome. Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that because, uh, someone emailed me a little while back about a similar site called arcadefly.com. And you put your zip code in and it tells you what's around you. It's like Superfly? Uh, I suppose so, yes. Well, why didn't you tell me about that? Well, uh, it slipped my mind. Yeah. I don't, I don't particularly like you that much. <laughs> <laughs> I knew it was something like that. <laughs> uh, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. No, it, it, uh, I don't know how, Frequently updated Arcadefly is though, because I think it, it just depends on user submissions, because like, the one up, the, the arcade that I go to and talk about all the time, isn't mentioned at Arcadefly, so. Right. And in the Orcade, or however that's pronounced, it's kind of, I guess it's with an accent, it's like Orcade. Um, <laughs> so on the Orcade site, uh, that also seemed out of date. They list a couple of places in Toronto that you can go to that no longer exist and, um, but it seemed, you know, relatively up to date, or at least would, would point me in the direction of where there might be an arcade. So the next time I take a road trip, like for instance, this summer, when I head down to Kansas Fest, um, I think I'm going to look along the route and see if there are arcades I can drop in on, uh, on the trip down and maybe on the trip back. Sounds like a great idea. Yeah. Yeah. So I was quite excited to find out the site. So I will also check out arcadefly.com and I recommend everybody scurries over there. I would do the same thing uh, on my trip to Kansas Fest, except there's nothing between Denver and Kansas City. So you just got to bring your own arcade. Pretty much, yeah. Just lug it with you. <laughs> yeah, well, I'll just, I'll just bring along the uh, the iOS, the new iOS uh, game. Oh, yes! Gridley! So several years ago, uh, there was there was a, a version of MAME uh, for iOS that made its way up into the Apple App Store called iMAME, and Apple quickly figured out that you could add your own ROMs to this and, and yanked it from the store. If you were one of the lucky ones that, had, that grabbed it in one of those in, in that 48-hour window, then you you got it quote legitimately. Uh, otherwise, you have to jailbreak it uh, and get it through Cydia. And since then, there really hasn't been a whole lot in the way of arcade game emulation, at least not any anything worth playing uh, through the Apple App Store until last week, when a new game called Gridley went online. Now. Gridley itself, I guess, is, is, um, based on a video, based on an arcade game that was developed and never released. Um, I'm not really sure what the history of this game is. I had never heard of it, and 
I tried to play it, and it's just not a very good game, so I can see why they didn't release it. But some enterprising iOS users over at toucharcade.com figured out that if you put the MAME ROM, that th- this whole thing is based on uh, MAME, so you can put your own ROMs in the struct in, in the in the correct folder, and then when you load it up, instead of going right into Gridly, it'll come up with the list of, of your ROMs that you can play. Exactly, and it uses a newer version of MAME than the old iMAME system did, so it's basically, it was an update. And it's funny that you mentioned Touch Arcade, because I kept thinking, I don't know who sent this to me on Twitter, but it's probably Blake Patterson, but I didn't want to just say it was him. Yeah, it was him. Of course it was him. Of course. <laughs> so double check. So as um, probably everybody knows, uh, Blake is uh, one of the founders and uh, the editor of toucharcade.com, which is such a good site, and also uh, runs uh, biteseller.com. And you can sign to find out all about him and his sites over at, I think his personal site is blakespot.com. Anyway, awesome guy. Really, really, really good guy. And uh, he was the one who who uh, did a shout-out about it to a, a few of us on on Twitter, saying, basically, hurry, because <laughs> this was this was not going to stay in the, in the store long as soon as Apple found out about its capabilities. Well, and actually, it, it has lasted a lot longer than I think anyone expected, because as of this recording, uh, it's still available on the, on the App Store. Oh, well, then everybody should run over to the App Store and grab Gridly. Just grab it, pause the podcast, and grab it now while it's still there, because it will in- easily enable you to have a free... Uh, main machine on your iOS device. So right. run to walk, grab it now before it will inevitably get yanked down. Yes. And, and once you have a copy, back up the, the IPA file so that you can reinstall it once Apple removes it from your device. Right. I have had a few things in my library on my computer be removed from the app store, but they've never disappeared from from iTunes for me. Is that what happens when they... Well, I, I think, not to get too off track here, but I think the way, I think Apple has different levels of what they will and won't remove. Ah, I see. Because, okay. because I think that the people who grabbed iMame way back when still have that. Uh, but if, if there's malicious software that somehow gets through or pornographic or anything like that, they can actually remove it from your device next time you sync. Ah, right. Yes. Yeah. And, but you should back up your computer anyway. And the, those of these IPA files would just back up at the same time. Okay, cool. Yeah. Anyway, everyone should run out, uh, go to the App Store and get Gridly. It's free yes. and it's awesome. So. Yep. You don't need to play Gridly. Just load it up with your own ROMs. <laughs> right. <laughs> load it up with, with other things. Right. Uh, and what else was there for us? Karen? Well, I believe that um, didn't another Blake reach out to us and talk about uh, our last week's game? I believe so. And that would be Blake Fuller from Portland, Oregon, who wrote in and said, I was hoping you would get around to reviewing this game. He's talking, of course, about Crazy Climber. Oh, awesome. Uh, Crazy Climber. So good. <laughs> what, a, what a fun time I had playing this one back in the day. Dodging flower pots, bird poop, and pieces of metal being dropped <laughs> on you from above. What could be more fun? The farthest I got on this was the bottom portion of the third building, I think. I don't have any full-size cabs. Now, but Crazy Climber would be on my short list. Thanks again, Blake. Well, thank you, Blake. And as we both discussed last time, it sort of immediately made our short list of favorite games. Oh, so yes. good. Crazy Climber is so good. And if, you, if you're if you new to this podcast and are wondering what the big deal is, go back and listen to our last episode where uh, Mike and I both gush on and on about how amazing Crazy Climber is. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredibly difficult. But for whatever reason, the gameplay was compelling enough that even I, who didn't get very far, uh, kept coming back to it and wanting to play this game more. And I have amazing segue news that ties in 
everything we've talked about so far. Well, please tell us about yourself. About incredibly difficult games that are no doubt really fun to play, about dragging your own arcade someplace, about um, finding arcade stuff, about uh, top five cabinets and you know putting things on your short list of cabinets. All of that ties into my big news, well, which is I got, my, <laughs> I got my second uh, full-size stand-up arcade unit has shown up. So I now have a collection of two. I, my, my second one has arrived. As uh, you guys would know, my first one, I lucked, crazily lucked into a Fix-It Felix Jr. cab from, from mm. Disney. So and, envious, by the way. So envious. <laughs> and I stuck up a video. I posted a link yeah, I saw on YouTube. Nice. It was good. So there's a little video you can sort of see. Uh, I want to sort of document what Disney did to make these things look like 1982 uh, systems. So really fun. Loving that. And if we had show notes, we would give you a link, but we don't. Absolutely. <laughs> Go over to iTunes and search for, yeah. I don't know, Fix a Felix Jr. It's, it's in easy my to find, yeah. Something. <laughs> or search for Monster Feet TV. Yeah, because we're a Monster Feet podcast. That's it. And my latest one is Gravatar, uh, a game I absolutely adore, a game we talked about a while ago on, on this show. I think we talked about it on the show. It's hard to yes. remember what we've talked about. Yes, we did. Okay. I think so. We've now done enough. Was well, it Gravatar or Sinistar? Or did we get both of those? Uh, I think we've definitely done Sinistar because I remember how much you loved <laughs> it. <laughs> One of my favorites. <laughs> so anyway, uh, I don't think we've done Gravatar then. We should talk about it because I, um, if we haven't, we should. If we have, then don't have to write it and I'll look it up. No, we, we, <laughs> we have not talked about Gravatar. Oh, yet. well then, okay. When we talk about it, we'll be doing it while I play on my, <laughs> my own system. I nice. adore Gravatar. It's an old vector game. One of the hardest arcade games ever. It's just just a crazy difficult game, um, but just so much fun. Just completely love it. And I now have my own vintage stand-up Gravatar machine for me to finally try to do better at this this game that I adore, but which kicks my butt. So I imagine the floor space in your place is getting smaller and smaller. Since I live in a relatively small condo, yeah. <laughs> I basically clear. I moved the desk I normally sit and record at, just sort of, I pushed it forward a few feet, and these <laughs> things just now are the thing that is behind me. <laughs> I see. Well, yeah. at least at least you're just still shuffling things around, and, and it's nothing important yet. I, I'll, I'll start to worry when you tell me that the refrigerator had to go, because that's where an arcade cabinet <laughs> went and that sort of thing. Well, as soon as I got the Fix-It Felix and I got the bug that oh, I yes. started looking around saying, how many of these? Oh, you know what? Just to tell you, we did Gravatar in, in episode nine. We did? So yeah. So we have actually talked about the game. <laughs> We've started to do enough of these. We forget. I don't remember that. Way back in episode nine. So it came uh, after Dig Dug and before oh, Elevator geez. Action. So okay. Gravatar. Get a duel for this. <laughs> Maybe that might. Anyway, that's so funny. <laughs> uh, but when I first got Felix, Fix It Felix Jr. and I started thinking, hey, can I, can I have a few of these? Like more than just the one. Could it be like a thing? Could I start like having a few? I started looking at the wall behind me and thinking, well, I could fit three there. But you know, <laughs> if I emptied out my bedroom and moved my bed where my desk is and oh, just no. got rid of <laughs> any end tables or whatever and just had it touch the wall, I could fit like five in that room. <laughs> so the joys of being single is you have these ideas of redecorating that will just keep you single. So well, I'm considering it. I, I got to say that that's I have resisted buying that first cabinet. Uh, because I know that once I do that, it's all over for me. This slope is so yes, slippery. Yes, that's it. Uh, descend into to, to cabinet addiction or something. Right. Um, yeah. So, uh, so loving it so far though. Uh, just, just got the Gravatar working. I, I want to, it actually arrived a couple days ago, but I wanted to make sure I went inside and made sure nothing had popped off the PCB and everything looked fine after being shipped before I fired it up, but it fired up perfectly great. And, uh, I'm just delighted to be playing it. And it's, you know, I'm doing, Unfortunately, no better than I did before. <laughs> so, but, but with time, with time, I will get better. Excellent. Yeah. 
Okay, onward and upward or mm-hmm. something. Uh, so this this week's game um, is Kicks from Taito. Oddly spelled. Yes, Q-I-X. Now, um, the reason that it's spelled Q-I-X and not Q-U-I-X, by the way, did you know this, Carrington? I read it and I don't believe it. Yes, the the trivia that I found about this is that the author of the game, supposedly, his license plate, uh, the license plate on his car said just J-U-S-4 Q-I-X. Now, I don't know if that's true or not. Yeah, and I read online as well a number of places that said his car... Um, license plate or registration number was that just for kicks and it was an Illinois license plate, but everybody used like the exact same phrasing. So clearly they're all just taking it from the same source and I couldn't find a primary source that says that. So I'd love it if we have an, a listener who has something other than just a website that has that sentence. It could show some real evidence for this being anything other than a, a myth. I'd, I'd love to read it because it's interesting because it, maybe it's true, but I'm dubious until I see another another primary source. Right? Yeah, that sounds kind of apocryphal. It does. Uh, so, Kicks was released by Taito in 1981, uh, which I now know how to pronounce. Not 1981. I always knew how to pronounce that. <laughs> well, I only knew how to pronounce it because <laughs> the high score screen says Kicks Kickers, and so to me, I I, I just made the association that if it's Kickers, and that's this probably rhymes with that. So that does make sense. Yep. Uh, it comes, uh, with the main CPU board, uh, which is, this is one of the boards that I have in my parents' basement, by the way. Um, but so, you have like a thousand boards. Well, <laughs> so I, I, I have, I have, I have 73 of them actually. That's, that's a thousand yes. if you round way up, like, <laughs> to the nearest thousand. Yes. So the, the main CPU has two M6809 processors. One of my favorite chips, by the way. The 6809? The 6809 and the 6502 are my two pet chips. Totally adore them, and they're the only two chips I ever did any serious assembly programming on. Oh, neat. And so I know quite a bit about the 6809, and it's one of my favorite chips to hack systems that were on. For people who did, um, had different sorts of childhoods, we'll say, different, <laughs> like mine was different, and did a lot of, like, uh, LTR hacking on validators and things. That mm-hmm. was the uh, chip behind the, the Motorola, the, what was called the SmartNet trunking controller. So if you did a lot of, phone hacking and things that you're not supposed to do and <gasps> do trunking stuff, you'd know the 6809 quite well. <laughs> yes. And uh, traffic signal controllers were mostly 6809. So if one was the sort of lad who would play around with those systems, <laughs> one would get to know the 6809. <laughs> I know the 6809 quite well. <laughs> it was also when things like um, the Vectrex had that. Sure, and sure. Uh, I think Williams used it in most of their their things, like Defender and stuff is 6809. But. Right. So this, there were two of these uh, on the main board, and they ran at 1.25 megahertz each. Uh, the sound CPU was a, the sound PCB was a separate board uh, that attached to the main CPU, and that had a 6802 sound chip running at nine point, or I'm sorry, 921.6 kilohertz, and it used some custom uh, sound circuitry as well. The game is a, a standard arcade two-player. Uh, it had a four-way joystick and two buttons, one for slow, one for fast. And we'll get to that in just a second. Mm-hmm, it was because it affects your points. It does. This this was released in October of 1981. Uh, it was re- released as a cabinet, also as a cocktail. Um, and in the in Japan, the cocktail version was called TT Kicks. Oh, I wonder what the TT stood for. I don't know. They do have a, a small picture of the the Japanese cocktail um, version up on ArcadeHistory.com. You have to be a member to get the larger version, I guess. Kix is known as the first drawing game. So, okay, so getting into the gameplay here, the way this works is you have a little diamond-shaped thing that you that you move. It's called a marker. You move it. It's Okay, so you start with this big empty play field in the, the shape of a rectangle. In the middle of this, 
you have kicks bouncing around. And kicks is basically a long stick that sort of bounces off the angles in the walls. And leaves sort of a trail behind it. It's sort of like five sticks following like a flight of geese almost, kind of weird. So, yeah, hard to describe. Right. And also you are running from sparks. Two I am sparks running from that, sparks. That follow you around the playboard. And in later, in later levels, it's called the, the super spark. Uh, which can follow you uh, more accurately. So the way that this works is you take your marker and you block off portions of play field by you press a button and that moves you off of the, the external rectangle and then you are in the play field there and use the joystick to move around and, and you block these sections off by completing the connection at the other end with one of the walls. Yeah, exactly. It's kind of It's kind of got like elements of the Tron life cycle thing. If people haven't seen it, think of it that way. Like when you, when you move your guy, you're leaving behind a line and, and you're drawing to enclose shapes and the part that gets, that you enclose gets colored in and gets added to your percentage that you have colored in that you've enclosed. And you've got to get that to 75% to, to end the level. All of which, all well, avoiding having the kicks that, the, that floating spinning line monster touch your line while it's being drawn. Like, while it's in process, you are vulnerable. And if it touches not just you, but anywhere on that line while you're drawing, um, then then you lose a guy. So it's all about sort of waiting for your moment and zipping across to, to fill in a place, a, a quick straight-lined spiderweb type thing. It's kind of like, if you think about it, it's like logo on, on steroids. <laughs> a little like, bit, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah. I can go... Pen down, go turtle, go. <laughs> and then you have the uh, the sparks that chase you around, um, and if you touch them, that also ends ends your life. At the earlier levels, they can only follow you on complete lines. Uh, later in the game, you have the super spark, which can follow you on lines that you are still drawing. And if you spend too long, if you just do just sit there waiting for your time, then they get all frustrated and start moving really quickly. They do well, and if you sit there. While you're in the middle of drawing a line, oh, get that fuse the fuse thing. starts burning, and, and your line sort of burns slowly away. <laughs> and if that catches up to you, you're dead as well. Yeah, and as long as you sit still, that fuse burns. You move it, stop. So as soon as you stop again, it goes, well, here comes the fuse. So, yeah, this it's all about, well, there's the, the temptation to sort of wait for your moment. There's a lot of things urging you to not sit there, to keep moving, die, spend your quarter, and move on. Yes. And that's pretty much all there is to the game. It's it's not a... He says as if it's easy. <laughs> oh, that's all it is. Uh, well, there's not a lot to the, the actual... But there is... What I liked is it's one of the first games we've talked about. Well, one, it's interesting in that... We've talked about how this is all comprised of lines and like, you know, it's all straight edges. So it's all your drawing lines. You can move up, down, left, right. That's it. Four ways. Everything's coming at you. So you're drawing boxes and rectangles and shapes made out of those, but it is not a vector game. So unlike things like Gravatar and, uh, uh, other vector games we've talked about that I can't remember. <laughs> the, uh, this is a raster game. Yeah, like Tempest. This is not. This is comprised of dots. So it's a raster game, but it is still made of lines. I think it would have looked nicer as a vector game. I get, I think this would really be scintillating, but it's not that. And it definitely is uh, a strategy game. So unlike some of the games we've had, it really is about, like I found my score became not great, but dramatically different once I started approaching it with some forethought forethought by meaning i read online things you should do and i copied those <laughs> that's my version of arcade forethought but uh if you just go willy-nilly and try to just make a big box out of the corner or something like that you're almost certainly going to die but there's things you can do to make it more likely you can quickly enclose a, a large space so it's a nice strategy game too right because uh we had, i had mentioned earlier the the two button 
uh, two buttons that you have fast and slow. So if you use the fast button, you move across the field of play more quickly, but you don't get as many points. Using the slow button, obviously, it slows it down, and you're much more vulnerable, but you do get double the points for completing the area. Uh, but but what really racked up the points for me was getting to the 75% before the time, or getting, uh, getting more than just the 75%. Right, yeah, putting yourself in a position where you can make a box where you 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 don't just hit seventy five percent, like sort of get into the low seventies, then have an area where you can zip across where suddenly you've got eighty five percent, and so right because yeah. for for every for every single percentage that you are over that seventy five percent, you get a thousand point bonus moving ahead. That's a good bonus. It is. Yep. I found some of the tips online that, and they didn't help me very much. Oh, really? They helped yeah. me. So they talked about, they talked about like building, building little, uh, little tiny areas up the middle of the screen. Yes. That, that that's just, what I did. That just killed me immediately. That, oh, that really? Sparked, oh, yeah. I, I, that, that killed my, ended my games faster than, than anything else. That's funny because for me that worked, but I had to do it in little chunks. Like I wouldn't try to do a big tree. I would do these little sort of vertical hops to slowly expand my tree and put little, um, arms out to the side as well. Yeah, that, that didn't work for me. No. Okay. No, I, I mostly just, uh, played a lot and, and depended on luck to see me through. So before we get any further, Carrington, how did oh. you do? It's time. Well, I, well, I got good with the, uh, the, um, the tree making. <laughs> I only did 31,756. Oh. Which isn't that far into the game, to be perfectly honest, but. I was doing like games of ten and twelve thousand before I started doing that, so it made a difference. Yeah, I most of my games were probably around the ten and fifteen thousand mark, um, and then every now and then, like I like I said, I would get lucky and I would trap it, trap the the kicks into a small area and knock off ninety ninety five percent, which would boost my score a lot going to the next level because like I I think the second or third game that I played, I got. Just over thirty-two thousand, and that was just moving moving me from level one to level two, and then I died immediately on level right. two. Uh, so the best that I did over the week of play was fifty-two thousand three hundred sixty. Well, you had predicted that you would wipe the floor with me. Yes. And you have indeed, yes, Mike there, McGinnis. There was wiped there was the floor the, with the, me. The streak is broken. <laughs> the streak has broken. Oh, uh, no, there was. Uh, yeah, there was no, there was, there was just silence at the, the Twitter Carrington account. <laughs> you can always tell if I'm not trash talking, I'm not doing well. Well, and I thought maybe, I thought maybe it was a ruse to like throw me off and no. you're just going to just say, no. oh, guess what? I got a hundred thousand, but no. No, alas, you were just seeing the world through ruse colored glasses. Oh, <laughs> oh the button, the button hurts you. The pain, the pain. <laughs> so nope. But, but I did do better. Like for me, Doing stuff like that, like making the, the, the tree shapes did, you know, more than double my score. And, um, like, so doing that sort of thing did help me. So maybe those are just, uh, like tips for somebody who, who is just getting destroyed early on. And so it, it did help me get a little farther into game and, and do better. So that kind of thing did dramatically improve my score. It just maybe it's not the key to doing, you know, four and five hundred thousand scores. Right. Yeah. Now there was the, there was a tip that I found that was supposedly, okay, so like when you play a game like Pac-Man and you get into the later levels, there, there are patterns that you can do with your Pac-Man so that the ghosts never get out of a certain corner or they're always trapped in one of the tunnels. And supposedly there was, there's a trick to this game where you can trap the sparks so that they never 
get to you. They're always stuck on a certain series the one where of you lines. make like an almost an X where you can go yeah. through them or something. Yeah, I, I couldn't. Think so. do, I can never line it up right. right. I tried to do that, but yeah. I couldn't aim well enough. I was not able to to make that happen. So if anybody out there who's listening knows how to do that, I'd be interested to hear exactly what the technique is because the ones that I found online didn't work for me. Right. So kicks, uh, as I said, was introduced in 1981 along with TT kicks. Um, there was a kicks two tournament version released in 1982. Followed. Wait, can up- I wait? TT oh. kicks was released at the same time. So TT well, kicks was just the cocktail version. Just had TT kicks name? was just the cocktail version, but How it was strange. It was apparently a, a Japanese only release. But I wonder what the if the game was different because I would read about TT kicks and I assumed it was a a sequel, not a simultaneous release as I a think, cocktail. So I think it was exactly the same game, just in a different. Just in the other in the other uh, form factor, Super Kicks was released in 1987, followed by Twin Kicks in 1995, Battle Kicks in 2002, and most recently Kicks Plus Plus in 2009 for the Xbox the Live Arcade. Kicks. Yes, there you go. It's a programming language. <laughs> that was for the Xbox Live Arcade. Uh, it was released on nearly every console of the day, all the way up to the present. As I said, the Xbox Live Arcade, uh, the PlayStation Two. For me, where it really took off when it comes to ports was the, um, the Nintendo Game Boy. I remember like this game became so popular. I think in part because of the Game Boy. It had a real resurgence. Played amazingly well on the Game Boy. Was like perfectly suited for that little, you know, no color screen and the controls. Worked great. Like such a good Game Boy game. And I think that sort of introduced this game to a whole new generation of gamers, and, and it took off again. So really good Game Boy cart if people have one of those. Yes, and, and Nintendo, being Nintendo, didn't waste the opportunity to put Mario in yet another game. Mario well, actually appears in this game uh, in a couple of the, the between-level cutscenes. Well, why wouldn't he? This game was also released on all the home computers of the day. I remember playing this game a lot on my Apple II. Um, it looks like it was released in 1989. You know, much, I've never much, much played later. this on the Apple II, even though I am like, you know, super Apple II guy. Yeah. Um, but I never well, played it. It was released much later in the life of the Apple II. It wasn't released until 1989. Um, well, which I use Apple IIs now. So <laughs> I've had true. ample time. <laughs> yes. But, but at the time, the market had shrunk down uh, quite a bit. Uh, it looks like there was also a 2GS version released in 1990. I'd be yeah, that's in. too high tech. <laughs> 16 bits is too many bits. Uh, that's right. So it was on all the home computers of the day, and it was released on a couple of the Taito CD-ROM collections that have been that have come out for Microsoft Windows in recent years. Now this is a game, and, and because I I played it a lot, like I said, on my Apple II at home. So when I played the arcade game again, it's a lot more difficult than I remembered it being, but I think that's because the Apple II version was easier. Right. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Um, do you listen to a podcast called... Yes. Oh, there we go. <laughs> called... <Joe. laughs> there's, there's a podcast called Forgotten Flicks. Oh, no. And I love movie podcasts. Oh, you so should I definitely check it, check it out. It's, I don't, it's been a while since they put an episode out, but they, they re- review a lot <laughs> like, of the. Who am I to judge? <laughs> well, they review a lot of the cheesy, excellent movies from the, the 70s, 80s, and, ni- and early 90s. Uh, and they have this condition they describe called cinematic nostalgia disease, CND. Right. Okay. And, and it's used to describe one of I the movies. I might have that disease. <laughs> well, it's used to describe a movie where, they remember loving it, and yet when they see it now, it's crap. You know? Oh, and, yeah. And Alas. So, a lot yeah. of movies don't hold up that I loved at the time, and I'll watch them now and go, really? I, I love that, did I? 
<laughs> and and so I and I have sort of the arcade version of that I think with kicks because I remember loving this game a lot but playing it around playing it this time it just wasn't as interesting to me. For me it was the music. This droning freaking noise it plays Maybe that's is it. not Maybe that's enjoyable it. at all. Like Listen, I found I had to just ignore the noise because it doesn't really help. Like the other than hearing the fuse is helpful. So there's listening for that sound, but that is the only sound in this game that's actually useful. Everything else is just like, Oh, drone. And so I just stuck on music and ignored it and the game became better. So I, I actively dislike the sound of this game. Yeah, and maybe that's what it was for me too, because like the, the kicks, like you said, moving around the center makes that sort of weird electronic whine mm-hmm. um, that just gets annoying after a few minutes. It does seem appropriate because the look of this thing is sort of with the sparks and the electrical thing. So the sound, I think, is thematically appropriate, but it's very discordant. So it's just not enjoyable to listen to. Yeah, um, and this was a game that, as I was preparing for this podcast and playing it, um, it. I didn't hate going back to play it like I did Elevator Action and some of these other <laughs> titles that we've but played so far. <laughs> um, you know, but, but it's no Moon Patrol or Mappy, a game that like I would right. eagerly look forward exactly. to coming home so I could play it again. This yeah. one, I was like, okay, I got to try again. And it's not that I disliked it. Like, there's definitely games way worse than this one. Um, I would think though this is my least favorite of the game, even less than 1942. If I had to play one of the two again tonight, You'd I would go 42. back to 1942 before gotcha. this. I think so. Yeah. yeah, and I hadn't played this game since I played it on my Apple II. Um, I may have touched it once or twice in the arcades in the 90s, but not a lot. And it wasn't. This isn't a game that I'm. You know, I, I played it. It was okay. I'm not going back to this one. I think it is partly contextual. I. If I had to play this game again, I still think it's a really good Game Boy game. Um, you just, a little tiny screen, it's in, you know, it's little version of black and white or whatever, and you play it, works well in the controls, small thing, not the massive droning sound that this one is. The color really doesn't add much to this. It's not scintillating the way an XY monitor is. So I think this makes for a great handheld game, but only an okay arcade game. I, I agree. Yep. Uh, one last piece of trivia here before we move on. Uh, this is one of the few games that was designed exclusively by Taito America. Oh. The original Taito company in Japan had nothing to do with this one, which may be why it ended up as TT Kicks when it went to Japan, because it started here and went over there instead of the other way around. Right. Because maybe then that went to, that was the Taito Tokyo Kicks or something. I don't know what the other T would be. Um, sure. Why? Or no, Taito Trading Company. TT, it's, uh, Taito Trading is the name of the actual company. So gotcha. I bet you it's Taito Trading Kicks. There it is. That's, that's my guess. Yep. That works for me. I'll, I'll stick with that. Sure. Why not? <laughs> okay. So, um, I don't know that I have anything else to add about Kicks, Carrington, anything? Not really. Like I read a lot of stuff online about, um, some tournaments that happened in the eighties and things, but it wasn't, really seemed that interesting. None of the clone knockoffs seem particularly worth particularly talking about. There was, though, the game that I never played in the arcade that was a sort of a version of Kicks, which is the Gal's Panic series of games. And I never played them in the arcade because they looked kind of dirty, and I was like a <laughs> super nerdy boy, and the last thing I would do is play a dirty game right. in the arcade. So, like, At least in public, right? <laughs> it's just sad to be me. You know, I was like, I'm a good boy, I wouldn't play such things. So it was sort of like a version of Kicks, but as you, as you drew over the areas, instead of filling them with color, you were, um, un- 
uh, unveiling pictures of women, but they're like roughly drawn animated pictures. I think of partially naked women or something. So it wasn't like super rude or anything, but I, I remember those games from the eighties, but I've never played them because they seemed a little dirty. <laughs> uh, yep. That's, that's, I, I do remember those. Uh, I never played one of those. Right. Yeah. So there's those. So maybe one day in a future episode, we'll, we'll play that one and be all embarrassed. But, uh, so there was that. And those things were clearly based on, like, Kicks may have, was the first, and it did spawn then knockoffs and, and similar sort of line games and, and different versions. So it's interesting for the legacy that it's left. But I agree, it's, it's not the sort of game that I would rush out and get a cabinet for. Definitely if I was going to have it, it's going to be part of a main system, not a, not a dedicated thing. I wouldn't drop serious money in it. I didn't really, I di- didn't dislike playing it. Certainly there's worse things to do than play this arcade game, but wasn't really super into it. So yeah, I think it's, it's okay. Worth checking out if you've never played it before, but uh, it'd be interesting to hear if this is a favorite game of somebody's out there and how they defend, defend your choice. Why do you like this game? That's what I say. <laughs> tell us why we're wrong. Tell us, tell us we suck. Tell us we're not hardcore. I also read online a lot because I'm so into uh, Wreck-It Ralph. I just love the movie and love all the stuff in it and love having my fix Phoenix cabinet. Oh, I love having that. <laughs> um, and Kix is always listed on the references that Kix appears in the film. I've seen the film a couple times that I can't remember seeing the Kix thing. So hmm. supposedly it's in there. So next time I watch that movie, because it's coming out soon on, uh, on DVD, I think. It is. I'm, I will, I'm really looking forward to that too. Yeah, me too. So I, I will watch it particularly looking for the kicks reference because I, I didn't spot it the first couple times. Well, that reminds me, I have a question for you about your, uh, fix it Felix cabinet. Is the question, is it awesome? Cause the answer is yes. <laughs> well, no, actually I was reading about it and I saw somewhere that this is, that it was actually a, this is actually a, a PC. That's inside it the is in the inside. If you open up, I'm gonna have another. I've got the one video online that shows the outside of the cabinet. Somebody's asked for a video of the uh, the attract um, screens, and so I, I'm, I'm just now taking just a video of that to post next. And then the third one will be something showing the inside of it, like how it works. And essentially, it's a very locked down HP computer. Like oh, there okay. inside there is an HP, just a regular PC, um, using oddly a JPack to. Uh, oh to connect to the controllers and stuff and That's then go to an actual arcade monitor. Um, so it's a, it's a weird, cause it's a, you know, an, an older monitor stuff. It's a, it's mm-hmm. a bit of an odd duck setup with a, a weird sort of little sound card with a push button on and off sound and a, and a manual dial for the volume. It's all a little strange in there. The, there was one of these that got auctioned off for, in fact, you had sent me the link to someplace that was talking about one of these a while ago getting auctioned off for, for $20,000. Ridiculously wow, crazy. crazy. Like, yeah, that's insane. <laughs> oh my gosh. I mean, it's like, I hope you didn't I would, play, pay any, anywhere near that price. Not even near that. No, no. Like I said, I would, I, I can't imagine spending 20 times less than that on a unit. <laughs> so no chance, not even close to that. And on the one that you had sent to me, I, I, I think I told you, that below that was a comment from somebody saying, Hey, I just won one of these. Does anybody want to take it off my hands? And that lady is the one I got it from. Oh, nice. So nobody responded to her on that site, you foolish people. So That's I right. got to take it. Ha. <laughs> um, so anyway, it is a PC. Okay. The people that auctioned off the unit, uh, in the States, and I think it was Billy Mitchell actually who had that one and auctioned it off and got the 20 grand is how I believe that auction went together. But they had it in an arcade for a while, set up for free play for people to come in and play on that machine. And they tried really hard to break the hard drive and to image it and get a copy so they could duplicate it. I was just going to mention And they were completely that. unsuccessful. They were just, they, they, they said they cannot break the encryption. That's it really seemed weird. weird to me because it seems, 
even if it's encrypted, I should be able to image. There's got to be ways to image that hard drive. So I'm going to take a look and see what I can do to get this released to the public. I'm I'm big on the information should be free train. So uh, we'll see what can be done about that. But uh, yeah, it does seem to be just a heavily, heavily locked down encrypted PC, which will be all the more fun to uh, take a look at. Well, now, didn't you say this game came with its own tech support? It did. I have now once I <laughs> but once I start saying about how I'm going to image it, I don't know if Disney will still take my calls. <laughs> but there are two you're given two tech support guys at Disney to call about it. Well, I was just wondering what would happen if the hard drive actually dies. Well, that's... I've got a few things I want to call them about. I called once to ask sort of the background of the games to see, like, you know, how many of them there are, that kind of stuff. And even they were unclear. Like, some number between 8 and 20 of these things were made. They they think it was 12 plus 6 to 8 empty cabinets that didn't have the full PC, but they weren't sure. Maybe they got upgraded. And it was the first five were made the way mine were made out of the Donkey Kong things. And then they use different sorts of cabinets for the other ones. And those are the nicer looking ones. And they've kept those at, uh, in the actual Disney, um, arcades in the park, um, Disney quest or whatever it's called. So I've got the, the original uglier kind. <laughs> and, um, so I'd asked those questions. One of my questions now is being that it's just a PC and it just has an on-off switch at the back that basically yanks the power out the way an arcade does. It's not a PCB, though. You can kill a hard drive doing that if this thing's right. So my concern is, like, every time I turn this off, next time I turn it on, will it simply not come back on? And if it's just a PC, is it going to overheat like crazy if I leave it running 24-7 inside this cabinet? So I have some concerns. I'd like to see how they're maintaining it in Disney Quest. So I want to talk to Disney while I'm on friendly terms before I start that's a nasty word How about liberating liberating <laughs> is a good word liberating yes there you go <laughs> so yeah i'll call disney this week well if you do get the answers make sure you share them with us absolutely yeah there's some people i've been posting some stuff on reddit as well about it so i'll make sure i Great. post it there too which i guess brings us to the end of kicks it um, does and on to our next game and here's a little sound sample So, Carrington, um, unless you have anything else to add, we will, at this point, bid farewell to everybody. Farewell, everybody! You've been listening to No Quarter, the classic arcade podcast. Feedback to the show can be sent to noquarter at monsterfeet.com. And like all Monster Feet productions, the original material in this episode has been released to the public domain.